This podcast is sponsored by Position Green. To be an insider, you can subscribe to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable, wherever you get your podcasts from. And please leave us a five-star rating. Welcome to the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education's important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. It is another edition of the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable, episode 199. My name is Greg Frank. I sat on the sidelines for this one as Mike Niemer and Ann Niemer carried the load. So we're going to hand things over to them in just a minute. But Ann is always our leadoff hitter on the podcast, and so Ann is going to get us started. Here's Ann Niemer, eRenewable COO. Position Green helps companies build resilient and sustainable organizations. Position Green has a unique combination of ESG software, advisory, e-learning, and assurance that drives sustainability success and empowers positive change. Visit positiongreen.com to learn more. Hi, Ann and I are at Bending Branch Winery today, and our guest is the co-founder, Bob Young, of this winery. Bob, welcome to the Green Insider Podcast. Well, thank you, Mike. It's a, it's a pleasure uh, to be here with you guys, and thanks for coming all the way from Houston out to uh, Comfort, Texas to see us at Bending Branch. Yeah, we were out of West Texas, and uh, Ann looked up on the internet, uh, is there any sustainable wineries? And your name, was your Bending Branch was the first name to pop up because of the award you won at the Fort Worth Stockyard Show and Rodeo back in 2020 regarding sustainability. Not only congratulations, but congratulations for being sustainable and being ahead of the curve before it was really popular. So tell us about that award, because that's really why we're here is to learn all about that and then what you've done since then. Well, Mike, thank you for that. You know, that's the award that I personally am most proud of. We have won lots of awards here for, you know, Best Texas Winery and Top Texas Wine and things like that. But this one uh, really makes makes me proud. It's all due to the efforts of our entire team uh, out here, but I want to give special recognition for this award to my daughter, Allison. Allison Young has trained in in sustainability. She had a a minor in environment at at Emory University in Atlanta, and then she got a master's degree from UTSA in environmental management. So she's been the driving force behind this. Um, I am, of course, very, very supportive. I had a career in medicine. Um, my, um, basically the theme of my medical career was population health. So I like to think of, um, the sustainability side as, as we're, we're really doing things for the health of the planet, whereas my career was really for the health of populations of people. So it is a, a natural lead in, but this competition that the Fort Worth Rodeo uh, and Stock Show uh, and then International Wine Competition had um, like three years ago was to uh, pick the most sustainable winery in the state of Texas. And uh, there was a a long application that you had to fill out and documentation of all the things that you had done in the sustainable arena. And one, again, that I'm most proud of is that we have been growing organically here, uh, the grapes on the property, since we began in uh, 2000, 2009. 
<clears throat> so lots of other things went into that. It's, um, there, was a, there was a very long list, and I'm sure we'll cover many of those things probably, or some of those things. Yes, we will, because, you know, we saw on the press release, we saw they had talked about vineyard management, winemaking, employee practices, customer service, and social responsibility. And, you know, when you're referring to when you were a doctor and then you, your care for life and everything else, social responsibility kind of plays into what you've been throughout your career, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, so that works out great. And so... In 2020, you answered this questionnaire, you filled in all the blanks and, and you end up winning. And we just took a picture by that uh, nice trophy over there and you should be real proud of that. How has your sustainability grown from that moment of that nice trophy to where you are today? What has been the change and what's been the shift with regards to the views and society and what's going on out in the orchard? Well, you know, uh, one of the things I mentioned, the organic growing. So one of the things that I have encouraged over the last several years, we work with growers all over the state of Texas, over 30 growers. And thank goodness there, there are some people now that are passionate about organics um, and growing grapes in Texas. And we work with, well, this year, is kind of a banner year because we will have grapes from five different um, vineyards that grow organically and two of them are officially certified. Um, so that's, that's really um, uh, a fantastic accomplishment. Uh, two, uh, two of these vineyards that are now certified are up in the Texas High Plains, which is where 80% of all the fruit, uh, all the grapes uh, in Texas are, are grown. So that, that is a major thing. We're going to have, hopefully, over, over the years, more and more organically grown grapes that we'll be making into wine here. So that, that is, a, I think, one of the major pushes that's happened since, um, since uh, that award. You know, when we drove up and waiting for you to come up from the office, and I went out and took some pictures next to the organic grapes that, vines that you have out here, of the grapes that you use in your wines, what percent are grown here at the facility versus other parts of the state? Uh, a very, very small percentage is grown here. Um, we don't really have the space to, to uh, have um, a really large vineyard here. Uh, <clears throat> but we also, we do, we do get, you know, fruit from and, and support farmers all over the state of Texas. In Texas Hill Country, um, locally, we have uh, two other growers, and we have an additional estate vineyard about nine miles from here, where we grow three different varieties. Um, then we have um, some vineyards that are kind of between the hill country and the high plains, and then out in the high plains, and uh, we're, we're looking at uh, an additional region adding on a year or two from, from Texas. Right. Bob, I have a question sure. for our listeners. Maybe could you tell what is or what makes an organic grape? Like what make what is the difference between that and just a regular grape you might see at the grocery store? That's a great question. Basically, you can't use any chemicals in the production. You have to use only certified organic materials in, in growing. So um, there are, thank goodness, there there are a number of products out there that that are certified organic uh, to 
to give you an example, there's a product called neem oil, which is an oil uh, from a tree in India, uh, the neem plant. It is very, very effective with insect control in, in the vineyard. And so you can apply that and sulfur is considered a natural material. It's been used for, you know, probably hundreds of years in, in vineyards. And, and its application is, is approved in organic growing. Um, and there's a whole list of those. Every year there's, there's more and more products available to do that. Um, so one of them, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about that is, is that, you know, we, we get bombarded with chemicals in, in, in our food chain, right? And not all of these are going to turn out to be healthy. <laughs> now, some of them we know are unhealthy already and others likely to find out some point in the future that they cause problems. Um, and so from a physician's point of view, view in the wine industry, um, the more uh, of these organically grown grapes that we could use in winemaking, the better. So when you gather the organic grapes from across the state, you bring them here because is your winemaking all on this side here that we're at today? Yes. Yes, it is, Mike. Uh, we bring everything here. It's all processed uh, in, our, in our winery uh, here on the property. And everything is done from beginning to finishing and bottling and labeling on the property. What makes for a sustainable wine making other than the grapes? Um, well, you, uh, again, you want to use kind of minimal intervention as far as uh, additives that, that you do on the wine making process. We also use a couple of natural processes to enhance the flavor and the extraction of color and tannins from Texas fruit here. When I say natural processes, I, I did research early on here about a process called cryomaceration. And this is something I learned about in an article that was written in the French wine literature, that if you take the fruit and you freeze it, and then, then you thaw it out and ferment it, you actually extract more color and you extract more flavor compounds and more tannins. So it helps to make a bigger, bolder uh, uh, wine from Texas fruit by using a natural process. In addition to that, we use another process that is called flash detente, kind of a fancy word, but it involves heating the fruit and then cooling it rapidly in a, in a vacuum. And that, that doubles the extraction of the wonderful um, compounds that are, that are in grapes to make um, a bolder, more intense, uh, more flavorful uh, product from Texas fruit. So we use those uh, processes too here. We're pretty much, we have the only flash detente equipment in the state of Texas. And uh, we pioneered that cryomaceration process here as well. Well, congratulations on being a pioneer in that because that is something because I'm sure, how long have you had that on site, that process? Have you been doing that? Um, well, we began the cryomaceration the very first year we made fruit, which uh, or made wine, which was uh, 2010. Actually, the uh, wine that we made that year from a Cabernet grown at Newsom Vineyards up in the High Plains 
it was awarded the first double gold ever by 100% Texas Cabernet at the San Francisco International Wine Competition. Well, how about so that? That was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. No pun intended. <laughs> that is pretty cool. That is like, uh, you know, we were shocked when we pulled in here in Comfort, Texas to your winery <laughs> and uh, how cool it was. And we're coming from Houston. It's not this cool in the morning. So it was kind of a, a pleasure being out here. To yeah, be able to yeah it's that. a little bit cooler here. And um, compared to San Antonio, we always seem to be like four or five degrees cooler than it is in the city. Yeah, absolutely. So with regards to uh, sustainability, how have you seen the processes that you're doing now continue the growth in the sustainable space with regards to uh, new techniques, new applications that you may be brought in as automation and technology is picked up? How's you, how have you seen that since 2010 evolve to where you're at today? Well, it, we, we do more and more of it all the time here. So um, that that's going on, um, you know, at our, at our estate. As far as how much uh, other people have picked it up, I know that other people use, use the cryo process now. How widely it's used, I'm not sure because people don't generally, um, you know, put it on their labels or, or talk about it. I've given, um, you know, um, presentations um, on cryo and also on flash detente at, at um, like Newsom Great Day, which is one of the biggest events um, that brings together winemakers and wine growers from around the state. I've talked about those and did, shared my data with, so uh, I know that it's know that it's out there. But I think um, some of the things that are starting to catch on. Uh, let me give you a simple example. Um, using uh, capsules or not capsules on a wine bottle. Um, so when we first started here in 2010 and 11, we were not using capsules because we thought, hey, that's the sustainable thing to do. You don't need it. It's, it's there for ornamentation um, to make it look better on the shelf, if you will, but it really serves no purpose. So why, why waste the tin or, or the other products that they're made from? And we got a lot of negative kickback on that. So we kind of reverted back in, um, 10 years ago to using capsules. And now we're going back to where we started because people realize now the word is out. Sustainability is much more widely accepted today than it was 10 years ago. So we're, we're not using any capsules on, on any of our bottled wines uh, here at Bending, Bending Branch. Well, speaking of bottles of wine, how many cases do you guys produce in a year? We uh, have averaged about 25,000 cases. And actually this year it's gonna go up because the harvest this year will probably be the biggest ever. I say probably because we haven't finished. We, we're well into harvest already and, and we're already at 250 tons and we're probably about halfway or less, a little less than halfway into it. So to give you an example, we did 230 tons last year and we, we may even hit 600 this year. I'm not sure. It all depends. The, the weather this year with, um, was good at the time of fruit set. Um, so, so a lot of fruit set on the plants 
And with the extreme heat, um, it has caused a lot of rapid growth. Um, so that has good and bad aspects, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of fruit, but um, the extreme heat is not something that grapevines were made over evolution to deal with. So it doesn't uh, make for the highest quality um, in most cases when, when you have when grapevines have to be out there in, in temperatures of 105 and 110 and even even more than that in a few areas in the state this year. Yeah, driving up when we were, when Ann and I were discussing what we want to talk about, what, how this year's drought and weather, how has that affected the winery? And you just answered all that and in a crazy way, it actually helped you. Yeah, it helps the volume. Um, it, it makes it challenging in some cases. Um, so the, the heat will cause acid to respire out of the grapes. Acid is a, ma a major component in, in a wine. If you don't have enough acid, you have a very flabby tasting wine. It's like having a flat, you know, soft drink that's, you know, you put in the fridge overnight and drink it the next day. It's just not the same. Um, and you, as a winemaker, we can make up for a lot of that uh, to some degree by, by adding uh, the same acids that are in the fruit that are commercially available to purchase. Um, but one of the things that we cannot always fix is the pH. And the pH is really important because um, once you get out of a certain pH zone with fruit and making the wine, it can be very susceptible to bacterial growth. And um, so the heat will cause the pH to go up and uh, when it gets to certain levels, that's a problem. And in about five or six of the, of the lots of fruit we've got, gotten in this year, it has been a problem. Um, so that's something we have to be very, very careful about with our winemaking to make sure that um, <clears throat> we don't get anything growing in that, in that um, must that we don't want that's gonna you know, make the uh, result in the wine not be quite as good. Well, you know, we've had a good, you know, 15, 16 minute talk so far. We've enjoyed everything that you've had said. What have we not asked you simply because we probably don't know that we should have asked you with regards to winemaking and what you're doing out here at Bending Branch? Um, well, one of the, one of the things is um, you may have noticed when you came up, we have a little building here that you passed. It's called Chateau Poulet. It's um, our chicken coop. <laughs> 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 so, so we use uh, chickens, and originally we used ducks um, to uh, as part of our insect uh, insect control program. So the, the the Chateau Poulet is right next to the vineyard, and every morning when the chickens are let out, they go out and you know start start eating insects. So that's that's a pretty um, pretty cool thing. That's your contribution to the circular <laughs> economy, right? So there you go. And yeah, I love eggs, so you know. I get fresh, you know, free-range uh, eggs <laughs> uh, every day. Um, so that kind of leads into uh, one of the new things that we're doing. Um, you noticed uh, that we not only make wine, but we're we're also now a distillery, and we have bourbon. And uh, I grew up in Kentucky, um, and. Um, right in the, actually in the middle of bourbon country, right smack dab in the middle of it. So it's kind of part of our, 
heritage out, out here. We began early on, I think we're into our 11th year now of having um, a derby party every year. And people come to the party uh, dressed as though they went, were going to the Kentucky Derby. They don't have a derby in Kansas, by the way, right? No, they don't have it in Kansas, but we do have a basketball team, and we're oh, going to talk about that later right. with you. Well, you know, we're playing each other again this year, I think, early in the year, so uh, game on. All game right. on, that's right. <laughs> so um, anyway, I stray a little bit here. But we'll so, be back. We'll come back to it. So I'm leading getting, getting into the bourbon thing here. So in the beginning, my wife and I um, and Allison, our family, wanted to have this derby party, but you know, you can't have a derby party if you don't have mint juleps, which is the drink of the derby. So we didn't have a distillery license back then. And so you couldn't have distilled products on, on the property legally. So um, I came up with this idea, why not get some bourbon barrels from a Kentucky distillery that were just, just dumped, bring them down here and let's put some of our uh, peak pool blanc, which, which is our, um, signature white wine that we make here put that in there and then we can make mint juleps from that so we did that and we tasted it every day and on the 11th day it was just fantastic and so for for about 10 years we made these mint juleps from from um, the um, pig pool um, aged in bourbon barrels but now we we have our own bourbon products and uh, we have the real deal out here. <laughs> so we well, I can't wait to taste it. That'd be great. You know, so we've been to the Kentucky Derby. And we know how exciting all that is. And I bet yeah. that's great for the hill country out here for to have an event like that to go to. Oh, yeah. It is our biggest event of the year. People love it, love it. We have, um, it's an all-day event. We, we uh, rent a um, big screen TV. When I say big screen, it's like 10 foot by 20 foot mounted on the truck. And we play the, the races all day. And. We have a band playing all day and we have food and hat contest and, and the whole thing. So that kind of leads into one of the other sustainable, innovative and sustainable unique things that we do here, that we have a, a sustainable bourbon product. <clears throat> so we have two lines. We have a traditional line, which is um, bourbon that we source, my daughter and I do in Kentucky. It's already been aged a while there, and then we bring it here and we age it further in Texas. So we call it Kentucky born and uh, matured in Texas. Um, but the product I want to tell you about uh, that's sustainable is our other line, and it's kind of a fun, fun line. It's called Chicken Duck. And we've already talked about the reason it's called Chicken Duck, right? It comes from the ducks and the chickens in the, in the vineyard. My daughter came up with that name. I was resistant to it in the beginning. It took her about three months to convince me that, you know, we should use that name. So it, once you hear chicken duck, you don't forget it. Right. And it has a really fun label on it that you'll have, have to see before you leave today. But the way that bourbon is made is totally different. It's not traditional at all. We, we source um, what's called new make or some people call it white dog, which is the base, the basic um, product after it's distilled from the grains. And um, we put it through a process that takes three days that um, mimics the aging in wood. It's basically a rapid 
extraction technology to get the wood flavor into the into the bourbon. 70% or more of all the flavor in bourbon comes from the wood aging and, and not, not just from the liquid itself. So amazingly, this process, when you finish that, and it only takes three days, <laughs> you have already have, you have a product um, there. Uh, it's a, uh, basically a whiskey at that point that tastes like a four or five year old uh, bourbon. In order to be bourbon, you have to meet the regulations. So it has to be aged in a new charred American oak barrel. So we take that after that process is done and put it into a new American charred oak barrel. And it only takes anywhere from six to 12 months to have a wonderful finished product, um, which, we, which we have done here. And the, one of the sustainable, or the, one of the major sustainable aspects of this is that there is a thing called angel share. Have you heard that term before? I have not heard of angel okay. share. So angel share is the alcohol that evaporates um, in a, in a, a distillery uh, storage facility or a rickhouse, they're called in the, in the industry. So <clears throat> with the heat, um, the, a, a lot of the alcohol over time will evaporate through the wood barrel. And so that's what the angels drink. It's called the angel share. Isn't that something? So in, in Kentucky, it's a lot cooler than it is in Texas, right? So the angels in Texas, they drink a lot. There's a lot of angel share. <laughs> angel share in Texas because of the heat a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So things, things um, um, mature a lot more rapidly um, because bourbon is traditionally um, aged at ambient temperatures, so it's open, open to um, to the ambient air. So by doing this and aging it only six to twelve months, you have much much lower loss of the angel share. And when when I say that, you think, well, is that really important? It is because in five or six years, you can lose twenty gallons out of a out of a fifty three gallon. Barrel. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a ton. So, so it really makes you save a lot of the liquid. Uh, it's more sustainable that way, and also you can generate the product a lot quicker. You don't have to have as much aging space, and, and so all of those things make it a very, very sustainable product. So, very unique what we're we're doing here with that, and people love it. It's it's selling quite quite good. Well, speaking of sales. <laughs> As we're getting about to wrap up the show here, where can people find your Bending Branch, not only your wines, but your bourbons? Is it sold out into the marketplace or it's only from here? Tell us about that real quick. Well, a lot of the sales is done, of course, right on site when people coming out to the winery. And we invite all your listeners to, to come out and join us. We're, we're out in the beautiful part of the hill country where there's lots of hills. Uh, where we're sitting right now, we've got a 360 degree view. We're just outside of Comfort, Texas, about three and a half mile drive outside of town. And it's a beautiful drive out, out um, you know, along the uh, Guadalupe River coming out here. So you can come out here. Uh, our, our, our bourbons and our wines are also available online. 
to purchase. Um, we um, we sell our products, uh, the wine and the bourbons, in over 40 states. Um, in Texas, uh, we are pretty well distributed. On the wine side, our biggest distribution network is HEB. So we're, we're in almost, I guess, 200 HEB stores uh, across the state. They've been great partners and supporters of, of us from the beginning. And uh, on the bourbon side, um, most of most of our um, sales are through uh, specs right now across the, the state of Texas. So well, lots makes... of lots of abilities online, on site, or through uh, distribution. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. But I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little trash and basketball before we end. <laughs> I'm from Kansas. You're from Kentucky. Yeah. We almost yeah. went out and shot hoops before we started here, but. Uh, we changed our mind before we got in the room. But anyway. Uh, uh, you were the one that backed down, I think, Mike. Well, I did say I needed <laughs> knee replacement. So you did say you walked on at Kentucky. So <laughs> I walked on for football. You did basketball. So I was probably the odds were against me if we had gone out there anyway. So in all fairness, you are correct. So you'll be awarded the trophy if I just right. have to give all you. Right. So. Right. Add that to your collection. But anyway, it's been a lot of fun. I look forward to keeping in communication with you. When your daughter's feeling better, we'd like to invite her back onto the show to really get into the weeds on some of the sustainability because I know that's her cup of tea, right? She's um, the expert. She's the expert. She's, she's the expert, and you know, hopefully, I've done a halfway decent job of covering some of that. You did a great uh, job, her. and uh, we appreciate your time today. We've had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us on the Green Insider, powered by Renewable. And before we go, we just have a little bit more to add. So we're going to go right back to the gang to wrap things up right now. So, Mike, uh, a few other of the uh, sustainable things that we've done over time, and, and there's a very long list, but uh, when we bought the property, it, there was a two-bedroom uh, two house uh, that actually has a, an old cabin in it that was built, a settler's cabin built in 1840. But the other building was a 1920 maintenance garage that was used to work on cars and trucks. And we, we completely redid that and made our tasting room out of that. And uh, the whole bar in, in the tasting room is um, uh, made out of uh, oak from a tree that died and, uh, from oak wilt on the property. And it's, it's like, um, you know, a three, four inch uh, slabs. And, and we use those for the bar and portable bars out out on the property. Um, the other, the only other building here was a well house uh, up on the hilltop here. And so I took the, um, the uh, pump materials and, and put them outside. And we started uh, all of our laboratory work. This is where I first did all the lab work on uh, for winemaking was in, in that old well house. Um, uh, other things uh, out here we have is uh, all the buildings here have a lot of stone on them and all that stone is quarried right here off the land. Um, the construction out here is all we all, always use, you know, local contractors uh, for sustainability. Um, for our visiting uh, part-time staff that we have that comes out, for example, we have a, we have a winemaker from California, we have a small winery that we own out there in the Sierra Foothills. Uh, Greg Stokes comes out and helps with part of harvest, and he always stays in 
in our um, little um, tiny house that's made out of a shipping container. So it's all repurposed and, and used for that. And uh, our interns, uh, you know, will they come out here during harvest, will frequently stay in, the, in that um, shipping container house, which is quite nice. It's really finished out. And all, all with recyclable, you know, material on, on the inside. So that's just a handful of, you know, some of the things that we do out here. All good information. Come out and see them at Bending Branch Winery outside of Comfort, Texas. Thanks. This podcast was sponsored by Position Green. For an introduction to our sponsor or find out how you too could be a sponsor, refer to our show notes to contact eRenewable and the Green Insider Podcast. 